why do we let the powerless have so much power over us? You know, from the anxiety, the worry, and the fear, to the rings and the dings and the pings that surround us today, we live in a world full of distraction. We are bombarded with information, with stimulation, with communication like never before in history. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be talking about how to deal with all the distractions that are coming at us, and how to keep the main thing, when it comes to your faith, the main thing in the midst of it all. Let me ask you something this morning as we, as we begin. What would you say is the opposite of distraction? Focus. Anybody else? What would you say is the opposite of distraction? Traction. Exactly. When you look at from, from an etymological standpoint, when you look at the word, dis means no or not, that prefix. And so the opposite of distraction is traction. And what does traction do? It gives you the capacity to move forward. And so distractions tend to keep us spinning our wheels, not moving toward what matters most. And as followers of Jesus, the enemy uses distraction to keep us from growing, moving, and maturing in our faith. Uses distractions to keep us stuck. And so over the next month, we're going to talk about four disciplines that will help us combat distraction and gain traction in our faith and in our relationship with Christ. Are you guys with me? Or are you distracted? <laughs> How many of you honestly would say that you struggle with distraction? And I am right there with you. It is hard not to in our culture today not to struggle with staying on task and focused on the things that matter most in our lives. Distraction is an epidemic in our culture today. And to a great degree, it's insidious uh, the most masterful form of distraction is a form of distraction where the distracted have no idea that they're distracted. We're like the proverbial frogs in the pot. There are entire industries out there today dedicated to distracting us by design. Professionals who combine the disciplines of marketing and psychology to develop products and processes that foster habit-building behavior and drive us to distraction. And most of us actually carry their masterpiece around in our pockets, the smartphone. It's a device that has captured, has captivated, and honestly now controls an entire culture. 
Now, before I go any further, I want you to hear me. I'm no technophobe. Those of you who know me know that I'm on social media, that I use uh, and explore the latest technology. Uh, Our church is on social media. We try to stay uh, up to date on on the latest technology. It's interesting. I mean, with this little device, I can work from anywhere. I mean, my entire office, my entire life, every contact I have is in this phone. I have access to just about anything. I can contact anybody. I have almost the entire library of human history at my fingertips. I can ask it a question and it will answer me. I can FaceTime Kim on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere in Guatemala. And there are so many productive and positive and good things that we can use technology for today. But if we're not careful, and all those rings, dings, and pings, all the unhindered access we have to everything, and that everything has to us, can distract us from the one thing that matters most. And that is knowing and being known by God. You know, I've come to realize that this phone has more control over my life than I care to admit. Has anybody gotten to that point? Just a couple of you. It's conditioned me to reach for it for no apparent reason when I have the briefest still moment. Anybody with me? It steals my attention with a ring or a ding or a ping when I'm in mid-conversation with a real person. It Googles me in to search for answers to the most trivial questions that I have. Just because I can. Stand in a room with 20 people and watch as one phone dings and what happens? Everybody in the room pulls their phone out of their pocket to see if that ding was for them. There's a lot going on here. A lot more going on than we typically think about. Smartphones, social media, media in general are not bad things in and of themselves, but when we fail to manage their access to us, they can easily consume our lives. One of the greatest enemies of a deeper life in Christ today is distraction. From smartphones to 24-hour news cycles to saturated sports coverage to the black hole of binge-watching, the omniscience of Google, the lure and ultimately the addiction of social media. And distraction is nothing new. It's been around for a long time. It began in the garden with Satan shifting Eve's attention from the father to the FOMO. The fear of missing out. What did the serpent say to Eve? Ah, You know, you too can be like God. Well, she didn't want to miss out on that. The problem today is he's got a lot more to work with 
than just one forbidden fruit. Most distraction is driven by our desire to escape discomfort. Think about that. And that's what the marketers and the psychologists today who are in those industries are targeting. It's our desire to escape discomfort. And so they bring distractions into our lives so we'll flee to those things. We're not comfortable, many of us, with silence. (laughs) And so we turn up the noise. As Gary said, not even in church many times are we really comfortable with silence. And so we have the the service scheduled minute by minute till the very end. And we feel awkward when the pastor pauses or the music stops. We're not comfortable with silence, so we turn up the noise. We're afraid we're going to fall behind something, and so we pick up the pace. And we run at life faster. We don't want to be alone, so we surround ourselves with with people. We have a fear of missing out, so we accept every invitation and we overschedule our lives, our kids, and our families. We leave no margin for what matters most. Again, distraction is nothing new. As we thumb through the pages of the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, we see it in the life of Jesus. Man, when you kind of rewind 2,000 years ago and and then you think about the culture that we live in today and you say, man, what all was there to distract? Well, they had different distractions, certainly. Survival being one of them um, than, than we have, most of us anyway, today, but But we see distraction in the life of Jesus and we see a clear pattern in Jesus' life in how he dealt with distraction. First and foremost, we find that Jesus would slow the flow. Okay, When when too much was going on, when too much was happening around him and around his disciples, whether it was for his sake, Certainly, or for the disciples' sake, he would simply slow the flow. In Mark chapter 6, in verse 31, Mark tells us this. He says, because so many people were coming and going, Jesus' life had become like a turnstile. You know, he was in high demand. He was healing folks. He was teaching with authority like the people had never heard before. He was loving on people like people had never seen before. And so they were flocking to him. And so many people were coming and going, some for the right reasons, some for the wrong reasons. That that he and the disciples didn't have even a chance to eat. And so he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Some of you need to hear that alone this morning. Jesus said, come with me and all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you what? Rest. To a quiet place. When Jesus got overstimulated, and he, he pinched the pipeline, and he limited 
access to himself. We see it over and over again in the Gospels. He turned the noise down, removed himself from it, and went to a quiet place. And from your workload to family schedules to the expectations of others, to taking the kids here, there, and yon, to trying to meet the needs of others. Where do you need to slow the flow right now? Where do you need to come away with Jesus to a quiet place and limit the access That everything has to your life. And just fix your eyes on Him. The author and perfecter of your faith. I love this quote by Robert Barton. When it comes to slowing. Which is the discipline that we're talking about this morning. When it comes to combating distractions. Barton said this. He said the deepest part of the soul. Longs to go slow. That part of you that is created in the image of God. Man, longs to go slow. Since it seeks to savor rather than to accomplish. It wants to rest in and contemplate the good. Rather than hurry off to another place or another experience. And oftentimes in our lives, we try to mask the pain in our lives or we try to, to, to put a band-aid on our own discomfort by hurrying off to something else so we don't have to think about what's really going on within us. We spend mindless hours on Facebook just going through nothing so that we don't have to think about What's happening under the surface of our lives? Slow the flow. When we do that, we turn the noise down and we nourish our souls and move toward what matters most. Psalm 46. Gary's already kind of shared a portion of this psalm. 46 verse 10 God speaking here and and he says to each of us he says be still just stop pull the plug slow the flow pinch the pipeline be still and just know I'm God and I don't know about you but many times when I'm moving at the speed of light and, and I've been doing that for a long time and I can tell that my soul is just parched And I need God more than anything else, but I'm just refusing to stop and allow Him to fill me. Man, when I get to that place and I finally do stop, it's hard to turn the volume down. It's hard to slow down and control the thoughts in my head because I've been moving so fast. You know, the, the aborigines in, in Australia, I heard this a long time ago, uh, obviously they, they, they walked everywhere they went and they have a habit in their culture and have for, for centuries of walking 
for two days. They'll travel for two days and then they'll stop for one day. And when I, and, and they all do that. They'll travel for two, day, two days and they'll stop and they'll rest for one day. And when asked why they do this, they said that it allows their spirits time to catch up with their bodies. Man, I need that so much. I need that wisdom in my life to be able to balance what all is coming in, to be able to control, if you will, access to my soul from all the different things that are trying to to get at it in our culture today, to allow my spirit to catch up with my body. Be still. Know that I'm God. God says, regardless of whether you be still and know it or not, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we're reminded that the Lord Almighty, God Himself, is with us. Right here in this moment, when you leave this place, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, the third person in the Trinity, who is with you as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who by faith has acknowledged the finished work of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and has embraced His resurrection that you might live again. He's with you, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Rest. Rest. Slowing the flow also allows us to protect our priorities. And that's, that's our next point when it comes to dealing with distraction. And protect your priorities. What are the priorities of your life? <laughs> I thought it interesting um, as I was thumbing through the Gospels and, and, and some of the ways that Jesus responded to different things. If you'll remember when Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple for the Passover feast. And, and you know, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on there, a lot of distractions. Well, they got so distracted that they, they, they lost him. I mean, they lost their way, and they're going back home, and they can't, you know, whoa, where's Jesus? And, and you know, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And as a parent, you know what kind of panic that, that brings on. And, uh, and then they, they finally, Jesus shows up, they find him, and uh, Jesus says this. He says, man, why were you searching for me? He's 12 years old. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? I had to be in my father's house. Now, even as a child, Jesus understood the need to protect his priorities. His priority was to be about his father's business. And as his followers, that's to be our priority as well. Nothing distracted Jesus from that priority. Not even his earthly parents. Let me ask you something this morning. Is growing in the likeness of Christ truly a priority for you? Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, is it truly a priority for you? And if someone were to have a window into your life, would your life reflect that priority? Is being in the Father's house a priority? For you, 
If so, protect that priority. Plan your days, plan your weeks around what you say you value. Being proactive is one of the best ways to limit distraction in our lives. Colossians 3 puts it this way, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Does how you spend your time reflect what you say your priority is. And if we fail to establish and protect our priorities, and I can be as guilty of this as anybody, a whole bunch of nothing will fill our lives and distract us from what matters most. How many of you have read C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters? Fantastic uh, book. I mean, be prepared to, you know, um, put your thinking cap on and, and, and read the same paragraph over three or four times. Uh, but essentially, the the, the 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 plot, the center theme of what's going on in the Screw Tape letters is a senior demon by the name of Screw Tape is uh, mentoring a junior demon by the name of Wormwood on how to keep Christians or people prior to professing their faith in Christ from getting and moving forward in a relationship with Jesus. And so that's sort of the setting there. And so this is wor- this is uh, Wormwood speaking, uh, Screw Tape speaking to Wormwood. And he says this, he says, Christians describe the enemy. The enemy is Jesus here because it's kind of the opposite. He says, Christians describe the enemy as one without whom nothing is strong. And so he, he tells Wormwood that, that, that Christians describe Jesus as one without whom nothing is strong. So without Jesus, everything is weak is essentially what he's saying. And then he goes on to say this, and nothing is very strong. Strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and it knows not why. In the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them. This is written in the 50s. He goes on to say this, In drumming of fingers and kicking of heels, in whistling tunes that he does not like, or in the long dim labyrinth of revelries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish, but which once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled to shake off. A whole bunch of nothing. You will say that these are very small sins. Again, he's talking to the junior demon who, who wants to win with, you know, tempting his, his prize in, in a big way. He says, you'll say that these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular w- wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man 
from the enemy. Jesus. It doesn't matter how small the sins are provided that they're cumulative. It doesn't matter how small the sins provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into nothing. Nothing. Just nothing. Murder is no better than cards, and we're a long way from cards if cards can do the trick. Think about where we are today. And then, I love, this is one of my favorite uh, lines that C.S. Lewis ever wrote. He said, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Subtle, insidious, distraction to nothing. We're there, folks. We're there. Satan's schemes never change. He will distract us in the most subtle ways to keep us from moving forward in our faith, to moving forward in the light. Slow the flow and pinch the pipeline. And I'm preaching to myself more than probably I'm preaching to anybody in this room. We are inundated with everything and nothing today. And it continues to move at light speed. We were, we were talking with some friends the other night. It's like, what, what in, in, when my kids are my age, what is this going to look like? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, every generation has said that. I know, but man, we have moved leaps and bounds in a short period of time here. And so it's fascinating to think, where is it all headed? Man, my, my prayer is that, that the pendulum would swing in the other direction. And honestly, I'm seeing some movement in that today when it comes to the influx and, and the access uh, that we have uh, that's just overwhelming with the information coming our way and everything else that surrounds it. Satan's schemes never ever change. Slow the flow, and in doing so, protect your priorities. And then finally, something profound. Pull away to pray. Pull away to pray. Luke chapter 5, again we see this pattern in Jesus' life over and over again. Chapter 5, verse 15, the news about Jesus was spreading again. Folks were flocking around him. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their, their sicknesses and to, to be exposed to his teaching. And when that happened, Jesus would often withdraw. Again, step away to lonely places by himself and pray. One of the best ways to control and limit distraction in your life is to pull away and pray. Seems so simple, but so much gets in the way of it, doesn't it? So much gets in the way of it. Time and again in the Gospels, we see Jesus separate himself from the demands of others and limit access to himself. 
He pulled away to pray. He pulled away to slow the flow. He pulled away to strengthen his soul and reconnect with his father to to get what he needed to continue to move forward in his mission. And we need to do the same thing. As we continue this series uh, through the month of November, and and I strategically placed this series in November preceding Thanksgiving and Christmas and just the flurry that comes with that so that we could be proactive when it comes to the distractions that surround us. You know, I want to challenge you, man, just to, to do these things. Leave this place today. Sit down with your calendar. Gather your family around the table. And say, where do we need to slow the flow? Where do I need to slow the flow? Where do we need to better protect our priorities? You know, we hadn't been to church in six weeks until today. Why? A lot of times it's a good reason. But I'm going to tell you what. Like the proverbial frog in the pot, man, if we don't protect our priorities, if we don't schedule what we value and protect those things, we will slowly drift away from them. And I can assure you of that. And it's going on in our country as I speak this morning. Skip a Netflix episode. What are you watching right now? Something came to mind. Set the phone, the Fitbit, the iWatch, the laptop, the iPad aside. Turn your attention to the Father. Pull away to pray. There is no greater way to combat distraction than slowing down. Slowing down. It's a discipline in and of itself. Being still and turning our attention to God. Make that a priority this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for never changing. Lord, for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we run around in a frantic hurry trying to fill the voids in our lives oftentimes with things that just don't matter when, Lord, you are everything we need. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the distractions that surround us. You would give us the capacity to derail the enemy's schemes. And you would draw us, Father, in a way that only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit within us into a deeper relationship with you. But Father, we've got to cooperate with you in that process. And I pray today, Lord, that each of us would put a stake in the ground, make a commitment to you that we are going to protect our priorities. Lord, we are going to be about our Father's business. We're going to be about the things that Move in our Father's house. We're going to be about worship. We're going to be about sharing your love with others. We're going to be about walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. 
becoming more and more like Him, which is the entire purpose of our lives as followers of Jesus. Father, refocus us today on the things that matter and help us to keep the main thing the main thing. In Jesus' name.